that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, I'm David Freeman. Liff, is that really in the Bible? Why are churches dying? You know, I heard one statistic, and I don't know if I believe it or not, but said that 100 churches close down each week. I know 12 years ago, I, I did a study on how many churches were in America. It's about 450,000 churches in America 12 years ago. Well, I just recently uh, studied that again, and now there's 380,000 churches in America. So the numbers are dropping off. The numbers are drop, dropping off. I mean, whether we like it or not, churches are dying. <clears throat> and why are, church, why, why are church today getting smaller in members and attendance? I mean, if you look at the average church and when, when people, let's say on Sunday morning, come out of church, what you're going to see, now not in all of them, but in a lot of churches, you're going to see a lot of elderly people coming out of those churches. And simple mathematics tells you, okay, who's going to replace them when they die off? It's a scary thought, you know. And, 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 and on top of that, there is a disdain for God that we see among a lot of people. I posted a video recently about why churches are dying. And, and somebody came back with the bright comment that said churches are dying because the youth is getting more educated and realizing there is no good reason to believe in God. Let me tell you a good reason to believe in God. You're dying. That's a good reason to believe in God. And we will leave it at that. All right. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me. Now notice this. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now maybe the reason churches are dying and church attendance is getting smaller is because God's just not calling a lot of people today. You know, I keep a holy day called Pentecost, and Pentecost, basically in the Old Testament, was referred to as first fruits. But what it reveals is that God right now is calling a first fruit, a remnant, uh, an elect that God is calling. That he's not, he's simply not calling everybody right now to repentance. Now that's God's choice. If you don't like that, you can take it up with God. That, that you know, I think God ought to be calling everybody right now. Well, no, that's not what your Bible teaches. And that's not what this holy day reveals. What this holy day reveals is that no, God is only calling a first fruit right now. Now we overlook some things in the Bible in Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that's a great promise, but notice verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even, now here's the words, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You see, 
we overlook that, 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 you know, sometimes we just read this verse, yeah, God's calling everybody and everybody's coming to repentance. No, it, it doesn't say that in verse 39. He says, the promise to receive the Spirit of God is to you and your children, but it's to as many as God is willing to call at this time. And he's not calling everybody at this time. So, so my point is, if you have an inkling of understanding that and conviction, conviction of sin, which is the breaking of God's law, if you have an inkling of that, you ought to take it seriously that God just may well be calling you to repentance. Okay, because God is. No one can come to God unless the Father draw him. And the promise is to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You know, that's a lot of people not called at this time. We have a whole huge category of people who are simply not going to be called at this time. Okay? So another reason churches are maybe dying and church attendance is getting smaller is, is, is because God is not calling everybody at this time, okay? So you have to let that sink in, all right? Now, another reason I think churches are dying and getting smaller in numbers is that God has his limitations. Because God has given us the freedom to make choices, he has placed incredible limitations on himself. Now imagine that, a God that would place and accept incredible limitations on himself. Let me explain. A woman gets raped. A child gets abducted. Now, yeah, God could have stopped it. And then, you know, this is where a lot of people fall out with God. You know, well, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow that to happen? Why do you allow bad things to happen? But what you've got to understand is God has deliberately, by giving us free choice, and if we're free to make good decisions, we're free to make bad decisions, and God has placed us in this world altogether, and we've got to get along with one another. And so you have the, by placing limitations on himself, he's allowed people to make bad choices. He's allowed people to sin and do some very ugly things, you know. And so when we, when, when we say, we cry out, well, God, why didn't you stop this? Why did you allow this? Truth of the matter is God has placed limitations on himself. And, and the truth of the matter is we don't want God involved in our day-to-day -day lives. I mean, you're getting ready to fire up a cigarette. You don't want God to blow that thing out. You're getting ready to drink that 12th beer that's going to cause that accident where you hit head-on and you killed uh, this little, uh, this, this, this mother's infant gets killed because of your stupidity and driving drunk. But you didn't want God to stop you from drinking that 12th beer, did you? You don't want God blowing out that cigarette. You don't want, you know, the two couple in the back seat of the car getting ready in the heat of passion, getting ready to make love. Another little bastard child comes along that's not love, not wanted. It's going to be pawned off on, on, on the grandparents, you know, this unwanted pregnancy. You didn't want God to intervene in the back seat of the car, did you? 
and lock the zipper on the guy's pants or lock the zipper on the girl's pants or lock both zippers, you know, you can't get your pants off or whatever. You don't, we, we kid ourselves. We blame God for all the bad things that happen and we don't realize that we're the ones causing the bad things to happen by our free choice. God has placed incredible limitations on himself by giving us free choice. If we're free to make good choices, we're free to make bad choices. So when you want to look at all the pain and suffering that goes on around here, you want to look at the woman that gets raped, you want to look at the child that gets snatched away, it's because God has placed limitations on himself and he will not do for us what we should be doing for ourselves, getting along and being good people to one another and keeping his law and keeping his commandments. So Isaiah 30 and verse 9 puts it this way. This is a rebellious people. This is what we are. This is who we are. You can put this in your pipe and smoke it. Lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers. Yeah, we're, we're saying to the preachers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. So, I mean, my point is, when it, comes to, uh, when, it, when it comes to who can God call today, the availability of good people becomes less and less because we have so degenerated as a society into an evil people who will not hear the word of the Lord. So we have so degenerated as a people that there's nothing for God to work with when it comes to calling good people or decent people. You know, we, we've just degenerated from one generation to the next. Did you hear about Disney? Disney will no longer refer to people as ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Why? Because they want to degender your children. They don't want to, they don't want your children to identify with those terms, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls. Yeah. It's like, okay, I got a penis. I wonder what it's for. I wonder what that means, you know. Yeah, degender your child. I mean, it's insanity. It is absolute insanity. One of the representatives at Disney said, we want to add as much queerness as possible. We want to have behind the scenes, you know, we have the two boys kissing, have the two girls kissing in the behind the scenes. I tell you, I used to, as a 12-year-old boy, my parents took me to Disney, and I was so fascinated with that with Disney, and I always, there was a, a motel that the tram ran through, and I said to myself as a 12-year-old boy, I said, one day I'm going to stay at that yeah, very expensive motel where the tram runs through, and I tell you, someone gave me $100,000 and said, go to Disney today, I would, I would say, no way, I'm not supporting the garbage, the insanity that Disney stands for. I want no part of Disney. No part of Disney. So we're talking about churches closing down and church attendance down. It's because God has nothing to work with. The, as the character of a nation, we are bankrupt. Okay? We're bankrupt. All right. So why are churches dying and church attendance getting smaller? Well, I want to deal now, switch gears with the number one reason why that's true. Here it is, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. It says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his gospel. 
Now, this is instructions from Paul to Timothy on how to preach at church. And here's what he says. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Now, there's only one positive word that we like in this verse, and that is exhort. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can build a mega church with exert, just exhort people. Whole churches are built on this one idea. Exhort, build up, encourage, build their life up, have, make a safe haven for people, be a comfort to their conscience, a social club, a coffee shop, you know, whatever. Just, just exhort, just encourage them, just convince them that they're saved, whether no matter where they, you know, yeah, I give them a heart to, yeah, okay, you're saved. Everybody's going to heaven, you know, we're all in this together. Everybody's good people and we're all on the same boat and we're all going to heaven bound. We've been saved, sanctified, and we've given our heart to the Lord and we're all going to the same place, whatever. Okay, just exhort. Whole churches, you want to build a mega church? Just exhort. But that's only one word in that scripture. That's one, only one inst instruction. Here's the rest of it. I'm going to give you the rest of the story and why church attendance is down. It says, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Don't just give it, you know, a one-time thing. As a minister, don't just say it one time and then think, okay, I, I said it. I hope it didn't offend anybody. No, keep punching, keep punching, keep, keep giving it to them. Rebuke and correct. Now, if your church is a big church with a lot of people, I can guarantee you, you're not hearing rebuke and correction from the, from the pulpit. I can guarantee you that. I already know that. You're not hearing rebuke and correction. Proclaim the message with intensity. That means heat. That means things are getting hot in here. I don't like what I'm hearing from the pulpit. Okay, that's what that means. Be ready to do this whether or not the time is convenient or not. Well, I just don't feel like doing this today. I just don't feel like they want to hear it. I'm afraid I'll offend somebody if I say this from the pulpit. No. Whether they'll hear it or not, preach the word in season, out of season, rebuke, correct, instruct, keep giving it to them. Reprove and rebuke. You know what that means? It means to find fault with, to correct. Now, I know as a minister, sometimes you think, well, who am I? I've got enough problems. I've got enough faults of my own. But that is no excuse. If you've been called to the ministry, this is what you do. You reprove, you rebuke, you find fault with, you correct the situations every single time you get up to speak. Make protests. Say sharp words. Tell people what they need to do. Tell them when they are doing wrong. Point out error. Warn people. You know, I can guarantee you, you're not getting this at church. How do I know that? Well, because if you were, you wouldn't be going there. I mean, but most people leave a church like that. That's why numbers are going down. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Most people hate doctrine. In fact, most big churches don't even have a doctrine. You know, they don't preach doctrine. They don't even have a doctrine, as far as that goes. Now, we, in our church, we have a doctrine of grace. 
And it's not just grace, 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 God just wants to forgive and just wants to love. You know, listen, the doctrine of grace that we have is this. Unless you understand the role of the law, the law tells us what sin is. Until you figure that one out, you can't have grace. You first got to know what defines sin. Sin is the transgression of God's law. It is the law that drives us to grace. 1 John 3, 4, sin is the breaking of God's law. Once you realize that you're a sinner, where do you need to go? Well, you need to go to God's grace. But you don't put the cart in front of the horse. You don't just put grace, grace, grace. You've got to put the law that drives people to for the need for grace. So we have a doctrine of grace. We have a doctrine of the holy days. These are Leviticus 23 and verse 4. These are the feast of the Lord, even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their seasons. The holy days are all about Jesus Christ. The Passover, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. The days of unleavened bread, putting Christ in, putting sin out, putting, getting rid of the unleavened bread and eating the leavening, excuse me, getting rid of the leavening and eating of that unleavened bread that represents Christ and putting the leavening out of our lives. Yes, Pentecost, first fruit. God is calling a first fruit. Pentecost, receiving the spirit of Christ. All right. Trumpets, the return of Christ to this earth. Atonement, the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Feast of tabernacles, the government, the kingdom of God on this earth. Uh, the last great day when God's spirit will give everybody, God will give everybody a chance for salvation according to his timing not according to the preacher's timing. Zechariah 14 and verse 16, speaking of these holy days, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. So this scripture tells us that when Christ returns, all nations are going to be keeping the feast of tabernacles. Now let me ask you a question. If everybody's going to be keeping it when Christ returns, why are you not keeping it today? In fact, why does your church not say anything about it? When's the last time you heard about the Feast of Tabernacles that all nations, all people are going to be keeping when Christ returns? We have a doctrine of the Sabbath day. Matthew 2 and verse 27, and he said to them, Jesus speaking here, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. When's the last time you heard that in church? That the Sabbath was made for, that Jesus said, his Sabbath is made for man. Isaiah 66 and verse 23, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. Yeah, when Christ returns, all people are going to be keeping the Sabbath day. Why don't you hear that in church? You know, I mean, it, that's the way it's going to be. All flesh, from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come before me and worship me, says the Lord. We have a doctrine of the resurrection in between. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus spoke of two resurrections. The resurrection of the saints and the resurrection to damnation. But if you read between the lines, there's a resurrection in between where all those who never had a chance for salvation will be given their first chance. Revelation 20 and verse 5, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Who are the rest of the dead? 
Well, there's all those who really never had a chance for salvation in this, lifetime, in this lifetime. You know, the valley of dry bone, Ezekiel 37 and verse 14. There's no misunderstanding this. This is a physical resurrection back to flesh and blood where people are given a chance to repent and turn their lives around. And, and, it, it, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and shall place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Yeah, I'm going to, this is a physical resurrection where God says, I'm going to place my spirit in you. Yeah, resurrection in between. We have a doctrine about the resurrection in between where all those who never had a chance for salvation will be given their first chance. What does your church have? Well, basically, probably what your church has is that all those who never heard the gospel will burn in hell forever. You know, that's not much encouragement, is it? Never heard, so they burned, you know, their life was bad enough on the earth as it was. They never heard the gospel. Therefore, they're going to burn in hell forever. Well, what kind of God do you worship? What kind, what kind of God do you serve? We have, a, we have a doctrine of the kingdom of God that's coming to this earth. Christ said, Acts 1 verse 11, an angel said to these men, Says, which also said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall come in like matter as you have seen him go into heaven. You know, Christ said that when he would return, his feet would stand on the Mount of Olives. Prophecy reveals this to it. Do you know that there are people who don't even believe in the literal return of Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah. Christ is coming back to this earth to restore his kingdom on this earth. Isaiah 11 and verse 9 says, And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. Now, now did you notice that? The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. When do you think this is going to happen? What's well, going to happen when Christ sets up his kingdom on this earth? Okay, so what kind of doctrine do your, does your church have? Well, most churches have a doctrine that we all, that when we die, we all float off to heaven when we die. And, and, but you know, the problem with that is heaven doesn't need fixing. Heaven is not where the problem is at. The problems are right here on planet earth. And this is where Christ is going to return to. Okay. You see, the problem with your doctrine is you can't back it up from the Bible. That, that's the problem with it. You know, that you got to be able to back it up from the Bible. You know, Jesus said, John 3 and verse 13, and no man has ascended up to heaven. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a reward. for What I'm saying is this. Christ's promise is heaven on earth. Heaven is coming to this earth in the form of his kingdom being set up on this earth. The disciples were, would be revolutionaries. They were looking for that government to be established right here on planet Earth. Look, if you're going to a church and, and, and make sure you can back up what you believe from the Bible, blow the dust off your Bible and make sure you can back it up. We have a doctrine of man's destiny, that man's destiny is to be born into the family of God as children of God. 
composed of the same thing that God is composed of. No longer flesh and blood, but spirit. And being a spirit being, that's really a cool thing, like traveling at the speed of thought and, and being able to read minds and being able to, you know, made of the same thing that God is made of, being born into the family of God, uh, establishing along God's side the government of God on this earth. Uh, but, but again, what, what does your church have in the form of doctrine that you go to heaven and you're put out to farm? You're like the Kentucky Derby racehorse that retired, of course, and you're just put out to farm and that's it and that's all it is to it. You know, you sit on your front porch, spit, whatever, and, and watch the sun come up and watch it go down. Retirement, all right? We have a doctrine of health laws that... Now, you would think the church is a place you could go to learn about health. Okay, we have a doctrine called dietary laws. Yeah, but people don't want to hear it, but we have a doctrine. So, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. My point is people hate doctrine. They don't go to church for doctrine. I'm not going to a church for correction and rebuke and instruction and doctrine. No. They just want to go to have a good time to feel good about themselves. Yeah. So the reason churches are getting smaller is because people hate rebuke, correction, instruction, and doctrine. And if you're going to a big church that you're so proud of, I can guarantee you're not getting any correction, rebuke, instruction, and doctrine. I can guarantee you. You know, someone said, if you fear to be criticized, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. If you want to grow a mega church, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. John 7 and verse 17, Jesus said this, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be a God or whether I speak of myself. Do the will, know the doctrine. Don't do his will, be ignorant of the doctrine. That's how that works. You know, there's two types of doctrines. Doctrines from God, doctrines from man. Doctrine from God, or what I call culture Christianity. I mean, how many people do you know who claim to be Christian because they go to church? They're just a part of culture Christianity. Whatever goes, I'm for it. You know, you want to put Halloween in church, I'm all for that. It doesn't matter. They just go with the flow. They don't stand for anything. They just go with the flow. You see, you and I will never be able to conform to mainstream's view of what a relationship with God is. And the sooner we realize this, the sooner we can get from where we are now to where God wants us to be. Revelation 18 verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that you be not partakers of her sin. And this coming out of her, my people, is a great religious organization of deception. That's what we are to come out of. And that you receive not her plague. Come out of what I call culture Christianity. Yeah, it's just part of what the culture does. It's just whatever the culture does, that's what I'm doing. I'm putting it into my religion. You know, your role in church is not to be just a head nodder. 
just to sit there and nod your head and agree with everything that's being said. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Stand for something or you will just fall for anything. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? This nation needs to repent, but repent of what? What is sin? Few people, in fact, few religious people understand the definition of sin. As a nation, we need not only to repent, but we need to have the experience of repentance. Your religion is not enough. Too much confidence in religion can be the downfall of a nation. What is real religion? What is real repentance? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.